Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Sportingly Average podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Phil, and reliably joined by my compatriots, Reese and Jupp, to, to guide you through some sportingly average, potentially interesting, potentially false uh, sports records and stats for next uh, hour or so. Reese, how are you doing? How's your week been? Have you been abroad again this week? I have been abroad again. I went to you jet France. Went to France to hang out with with the French, and it was lovely. Yeah. Why am I the only one who doesn't get a nickname on these podcasts? I could call you Cadders, or I don't know. No, too too public school. Boring Statman. Uh... No. <laughs> too mean. <laughs> uh, I'm well, thanks, Phil. Busy Sounds week. Good. So nice. Any nice croissant, pan au chocolat. They're good at the old well, pastry like over there, aren't they? I wouldn't want to stereotype an entire country uh, like you have just done. I think it might alienate our. our I'm saying they're good at making pastry. Following What's wrong with that. Yes, they were actually. Yeah, There's some lovely croissant. This is a great start, lads. We're doing really well. Here. <laughs> How are you, Jup? Rain is back uh, in. I'm, go- uh, I'm good. Just um, still, just notice again. My beer is 0.3 percent alcohol percentage, and I'm still annoyed about it. That's, that is a pretty sad percentage of beer. What are you Just drinking, Reese? Is it more or less than 0.3%? Let's play a game of higher or lower. This is... I, should have, I shouldn't have showed you this previously. Uh, this is 4%. Whoa. Wow. Crazy. Listener at home, what do you think I'm drinking? Have a little think. <laughs> nice. Right, well, so this week, uh, this week's title is Keep It In The Family. Uh, we've all gone away and nice had a think of uh, some famous sporting families, either parents and kids, siblings, um, who have all performed at an elite level. And so quite a few examples across the sporting world. Obviously, we couldn't touch on all of them, so I'm sure there'll be some honourable mentions um, as Juppy looks in disgust as he drinks his non-alcoholic beer. Um but to start with, he's got this horrible flavour. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. To start with, we'll do our uh, stat of the week. The theme stat, sadly, no quiz this week. Um, it'll be back next time. Don't worry. Um, oh no. But yeah, so Reece is going to cheat again anyway. So I was about to say it's all irrelevant. Reese got five out of five again this week, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> well, well, no. This this would have been the week for Juppy to catch up, given that I've been off doing other things. I have no idea what's been going on in the world of sport. Anything could have happened. Anything at all. Um, but yeah, so themed stats, uh, I'll, I'll kick us off this week, um, and mine, I'll be somewhat brief because we've touched on uh, F1 and particularly Lewis Hamilton quite a bit, I feel, uh, or maybe it just feels like because I talk about him in my spare time most of the time, <laughs> um, but on the 28th of September, which is yesterday when we're recording this podcast, um, it marked the 10-year anniversary of the announcement of Hamilton moving to Mercedes from McLaren, uh, ending, I believe, a 12-year relationship between himself and McLaren because they supported him through his uh, junior years and things. Um, and kind of <clears throat> the significance of it, uh, I've got some quotes of uh, some sport uh, race car enthusiasts um, at the time who weren't weren't particularly positive on the move. Um, but yeah, needless to say, it was, it was a fairly successful transfer. He went on to win 
six drivers and eight constructors titles uh, in the nine years that he's been there, uh, which is obviously a pretty, pretty reasonable return. Um, but yeah, so when he was a guest on Top Gear, back in the good old days of Top Gear being on BBC and them having a star in a reasonably priced car, uh, Clarkson likened it um, to moving from Manchester United to West Ham. And for context, at that time, West Ham had just earned promotion back to the Premier League, whereas United had lost, had come second on goal difference to Man City. That was the crazy Balotelli Aguero um, final day. So Aguero. that's the kind of golfing. <laughs> he said that to his face. Yeah, yeah when he was like, oh, oh is, on oh, public you've... national television. Yeah, yeah, on national. He was like, oh, you've moved to McLaren. Isn't that a bit like moving from United to West Ham? Uh, but, but obviously, it was proven that wrong. guy. I mean, I'm sure he, he had he had a reason not like Clarkson to make a big. Yeah, he did. What, have a where where was point. where were they at the time? So, yeah, so in so this was mid uh, mid 2012. Well, mid late 2012, the um, announcement was made. But in the 2012 season, so a few months after that, but uh, I didn't I didn't look up the the table at the exact time of the announcement. But in the 2012 season, um, McLaren which Hamilton was part of, finished on 378 points, which was enough for third in the Constructors, um, with Red Bull winning it. Um, with their two drivers being fourth and fifth, Hamilton fourth, Button fifth. Um, Mercedes had 142 points to McLaren's 378, so fewer than half, which got them fifth in the Constructors um, versus third for McLaren. And their two drivers, who at the time were Nico Rosberg and Michael Schumacher, just a couple of nobodies, um, <laughs> finishing ninth and 13th, respectively. So you're going from a team where the two drivers are fourth and fifth, constructor third, and like you're in the fight, um, to a team that finished fifth, nowhere near kind of winning races, ninth and 13th, respectively, as drivers. So it is clearly, clearly a pretty big risk. Um and yes, yeah, so I just grabbed three quotes <clears throat> from various sports writers. I think these are all sort of, you know, Guardian, Racing, Sports Car, Weekly, whatever publication you want. Um, mm. So these were, uh, Lewis Hamilton does not know much about racing history and so cannot learn from the mistakes of others. Um, with, the field, with the field as intensely competitive as ever, now is completely the wrong time to embark on such a project. Um, and my favourite one was, I don't see Lewis winning races in 2013 and there has to be doubts that the car will be good enough to win any in 2014 as well. Bearing in mind, they won the championship in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> what? By, by a oh, so what, what, when, right, so I don't <clears throat> know much about F1 history and frankly, I don't care for it. But was, when, did they get Braun involved at some point, Ross, this Ross Braun character? Yeah, so Braun essentially became Mercedes, and that's the car that got um, Button his win in 2009 right. for the Drivers' Championship. The big thing was, I think it was 2014, you'll probably know, was the big change in regulations. So it's the now known as the Turbo Hybrid era, which we're, we're currently in as well. And that's the kind of era whereby um, yeah, big engine change regulations bring in various... Um, I don't know, N-G-U-H-K, whatever letter acronyms you can think of. But there are big changes to the engines of the cars. And Mercedes just absolutely smashed those rules, rules and regulation changes. In the same way that this year, 
Red Bull have been by far the best team at adapting to this current set of regulation changes because there were some big regulation changes this year and Red Bull are smashing it out of the park. Mercedes did the equivalent back in 2014 and just nobody could catch them. So that's why they were so dominant for, for kind of eight years on the bounce. But you, you obviously couldn't see that coming halfway through 2012. So it was, uh, it was yeah, a massive, not, massive not gamble. At all. Yeah. But it's not necessarily, necessarily sort of silly things to say, especially that guy about winning races in 2013 and 14, but just, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think he won, he won one or two in 13. It wasn't many. Um, why did he move? Was it because he saw them becoming... Nicky Lauda was hugely instrumental in it. Um, he had been at McLaren, so he made his debut for McLaren in 2007. So he'd been there for five seasons, well, seven, eight, nine, ten. This, that was his sixth season with McLaren in F1. He'd done some junior stuff with McLaren. So he'd been in them for a long time. He won in 2008 and then sort of just had a few years of mediocrity and was just watching really Red Bull and Ferrari fight it out particularly in 2012 it came down to the last race I believe between Alonso and um, Vettel um, and didn't necessarily see McLaren uh, going anywhere or making the changes necessary whereas Mercedes he just could see the team behind it the drive behind it and uh, money did play a huge factor so I think his salary was roughly double at Mercedes and also they had way more other sort of I don't know the correct term for it not private sponsors but his sponsorship opportunities were way, way higher at Mercedes for things like um, Tommy Hilfiger and the various other things he's got. Cause, you know, Tommy Hilfiger is now a kind of brand ambassador for the whole of Mercedes, but really it's because of like the Lewis Hamilton link and things like that. So his personal image consultant, I don't know what their, their management consultant was XIX Entertainment at the time. Mm. Um, and they were massively influential in the move as well. So I think money did play a bit of a factor for sure. And some people were like, oh, he's an idiot. He's only going for money, never going to win a race again, blah, blah, blah. But they've clearly backed it up with <laughs> with wins as well as paying him an absolute bucket load. Which is weird. It's weird for a nation of kind of, of people who love an underdog and sort of optimists and, you know, dreamers and little protecting our little island against other, all these sort of other, other threats back in the day. Um, obviously not now. We get along with everyone. Cheers, lads. Um, people get a lot of sort of stick for going and trying something new. Like the, the first thing that the cup jumps to mind. Is this was this was semi deserved though. He was he's already won a, pro, a world championship at this point. He was on track. He was in a semi okay car that has a history of winning races, going to a brand new team that had only been around for three years, inherited a car which had yesterday just won the two thousand nine world championship as well. Um, and it was a huge huge gamble to the point where he was. I mean, remember back to one of our first episodes on this on this podcast where we spoke about Lewis Hamilton's first season. He rocks up and was on the podium, I think he was, and won a whole bunch of races. Mm. His podium talent, just everyone knew six about. races, yeah. Yeah, his talent was was everyone knew about, and so from to take this larger risk. I mean, now we can say yes, it was a, the best decision ever, but at the time, nobody knew that Mercedes would nail 2014. And everyone else would get so wrong. And then Ferrari would have a complete clown show of Vettel for, what, 2016, 17? And then Verstappen would take over. Um, I mean, you, you can look at, there's various yeah. other racing drivers alone that have tried to do similar and it hasn't really worked. Like, Ricciardo went to Renault and that was just an absolute uh, something show. Yeah, his car was cursed, uh, Red Bull. <laughs> Absolutely cursed. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think that was very extensive, though, 
Fairfield for his recent movements. Well done. The only thing I'd add is that McLaren, uh, on the sponsorship thing, McLaren loved to like do as much advertising and video adverts, uh, adverts and I don't know what it's called, all that marketing rubbish. Oh um, yeah, so like they were on weren't they on like do you remember the Boris bikes and they were like reenacting oh, like God, a, yeah. a Star Wars was it the Star Wars music in the background? Like a like a pretend um lightsaber battle with the lasers that are on the bikes. Do you remember that from years ago? I remember that. Anyway, one. stuff I like that. Being they, involved with the like Boris bikes, so Yeah, so that was another key factor was you know, half his time was just doing stuff like this for sponsorship and whatnot. He was like, I'm kinda of bored of this and I hate yeah. it. And then twenty, also twenty thirteen, which was the first year he raced for Mercedes, was the um, first year that McLaren had to start paying Mercedes for the engines because they use Mercedes engines. So I don't know if that was part of it as well. Like Hamilton maybe saw the writing on the wall of you know Mercedes the engine producer in the new era. They're obviously going to have first dibs on the stuff that works. Um, so maybe that was it as well. But also there are just a lot of quite racist people in uh, the racing. Uh, car community it turns out we don't really like a young ambitious successful black man um, which has sadly reared mm. its head quite a few times that's probably played a reasonably large role in the instant criticism he got and when he was younger Hamilton was a complete ass. he was yeah he's mellowed out a lot but god he was a knob when he was younger I feel like you have to be there right you have yeah. to be that kind of character but, but anyway, yeah, that was my story. Yeah. Ten years, ten years to the day yesterday, Wednesday the twenty eighth, where uh, he announced his shock move to Mercedes. Um, there's a dedicated Twitter account um, that tweets as if it's twenty twelve, but day by day. <laughs> so it's like, oh, Hamilton's just signed. It's like, oh, Sergio Perez is replacing Hamilton. And every time I read it, I'm like, what? Perez is going to Mercedes? Like, oh no, <laughs> it's twenty twelve. <laughs> oh, yeah, crazy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna follow on here because I think mine's mine's very similar. Um, do you know what Hamilton's win percentage is for all of the races he's done? In every or, or just Mercedes? In every race, every race. Because uh, this is thirty-two. I'm gonna go just under a third. I'd probably be able to work it out because he's on 107 wins and he's done what 14 seasons of about. 20 races each, so 280 races, 107 wins. Yeah, maybe slightly more than yeah. a third, 38%, 37%. 34% or 33.8% if you want to yeah, be really anal about it. Genuinely ridiculous. He's got something like 60% ah. in the turbo hybrid era. It's a joke. Oh, I don't know. I don't have that off the top from of moving, Yeah, when he moved um, he, from moving yeah, to Mercedes, he's got, it's like over half, I think. It's unreal. Or at least it was at one point. That might have been to the end of the 2019 season, or maybe 2020 season, the one he absolutely romped home. And the crazy thing about that as well is that he lost the championship in that time as well. So it wasn't it wasn't winning every single yeah, race. Yeah, exactly. Rosberg in 16. Um, but yeah, so you know, Hamilton's win percentage 34%. The person I'm about to speak about speak about has a win percentage of 55%, <laughs> and this is. Uh, Jamie Chadwick, um, who is absolutely dominating the W Series. And I bring this up because there's a bit of sad news once again that's sort of coming up around this sport, and it's the, you know, their lack of funding, which means they might end the season what early. What is the W Series for the 90% of listeners? Oh. The W Series is 
a format of motorsport racing where it's only for women to try and sort of break the gap or break the barrier. Um, but it's like single seaters, isn't it? It's like baby F1, but women only, right? I don't know how baby F1 it is. They definitely they have less laps and whatnot. I think there are smaller cars, but I don't know what the, the exact. But it's like is. single seaters, so it almost um, looks like a oh, it's F3 still single race. Or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the idea was that they were just trying to really smash home the message of we can have women in motorsports and they can it can be entertaining and, and whatnot with the aim that it wouldn't be a, uh, a long-term solution to the, the problem and hopefully one of the big teams will put a female in the car but it's yet to yet to happen but uh jamie chadwick um is yes like i said absolutely dominating it um i thought i'd go go over some of her stats um so Currently in the third season, so she's she's won all se- all the current season so far. So she's won two other three championships, and it's on very much on target to hit win the third one this year. Um, she's been on the podium for ninety percent of all of her races. So that means yeah, that's she's ridiculous. First, second, or third in all of the races. Yep, um, and she is being the quickest in qualifying, uh, which means that she's the fastest person qualifying um, in fifty percent of all of her races. Um, so she um, started. Yep. She's. Do they start from if you're the fastest in qualifying? Do you start from you the start front, on the the front in the actual yeah. race? Fifty percent of the time, she starts in the front. Good. But it has a win, uh, yeah, and then following that, her win win percentage is fifty five percent. And then la- the last stat about this is that um, in thirty percent of all the races she's done, she's won. She's been. She's had the fastest lap in the entire race as well. So she is. Destroying everyone else. Pretty speedy. Um, how? And, hey, no, today, so how how much quicker is she than in terms of like lap times? Like, is it a huge gap, or is she just is she sort of just consistently like a little bit uh, much quicker, a little bit quicker? I don't really know what the lap times would be, so I don't know. I know in sort of F one, it's like tenths of a, tenths of a second are actually quite. Um, yeah, quite, quite I, I don't know. I don't know how big the difference is in terms of seconds. Um, but if you if you watch a race, I mean, she she she's still she's dominating. She storms it. There's yeah. no, yeah, she's absolutely miles ahead. It is worth mentioning that she does have a huge advantage over everyone else because she has done some test drives in actual Formula One cars, and she's had way more actual like seat time versus everyone else. Um, but still, statistically speaking, a, a better driver than Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, if you uh, look at it that way, yeah. Comfortably, have I, have I just found a massive flaw in this whole podcast? And we have to can't bang on that Hamilton. Doesn't um, Caitlyn Jenner own own a team, right? In the W Series. Oh, is that why her name's popped up on the Google W Series? To try and find is that what Jenner Racing is? It, oh. There you go. There you go. Caitlyn, is... yeah, yeah, yep. All new yeah, W Series yeah. team. So. New racing team as of March 2022. Yeah, I knew it was recent as well. That's something else. Uh, oh, well, Jamie Chadwick is also only 24 years old. Yeah, she's super yeah, young. She's depressing. Super... What? She, she looks like 16. It's a joke. You say like, yeah, yeah, these like, race cars. The... like what? And all just the headshots. Yeah. Oh, well, no wonder. Yeah, she's young. I was much lighter when I was 24. I could yeah, I could have done that when I was 20, Yeah, You could have done yeah. that 12 years ago, Reese. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to those listening at home, I'm not actually 36 years old. <laughs> Just in mind. Yeah, 30, 30, 35. Yeah. 35. Wow. That's, she's pretty special then. So, is, so like what test drives, how, how, so how, what's the, what are the sort of the number of test drivers to teams? Where do they kind of come in the ranking? Like how close would she be to getting an actual F1? Team? She did stuff with Williams, right? For a while. She was, yeah. So basically the F1 teams have to run a number of like reserve drivers throughout the season and various, either free practice, various free practice sessions. And she was in Williams and uh, I think there's another team, but I can't remember what it was. I think maybe just Williams then. Oh, nice. How, how many development drivers would they have? A, will they like have four or five over like a season? I think they have to. Okay, so an F1 team has to fill in. I think it's like three slots, which can be the same same person or it can be multiple people. So uh, okay. Mercedes have got a couple of people and then like Nick DeVries who um, steps in for uh, GOAT. Uh, was it? Who did he step in for? No, it's oh, Alex Alban, Alban when he had appendicitis. Um, so he was also a reserve driver for Mercedes and also for uh, Alpine, I think it was. So yeah, they can mix and match as they, yeah. fit, as they see fit. But yeah, she's... Um, Piastri was out. Yeah, absolutely smashing it. And uh, old Jamie Chadwick. So, okay. yeah. Nice Good on her. Nice one, Jamie. Keep it going. Cheers, Jeff. Reese, uh, your, so uh, my, topical... my topical stat this week is around the retirement of tennis great Roger Federer. Now, my Indeed. actual favourite stat is that 50% of Roger Federer's name consists of uh That's my actual favourite stat. <laughs> That's the best one. It's but such a like, bad Facebook meme, isn't it? You, it just, is. you just produced here. No, it isn't. It's it's look just because Jamie Chadwick doesn't have any interesting uh, sort of letter constructions in there, which you can pick up on. Syllable, yeah, <laughs> yeah, soz, soz, lads. Um, so, but the actual stat is that uh, so fifty-eight percent is the winning his winning percentage of all Grand Slam finals from the two thousand and four to two thousand and nine. Um, seasons in tennis so this one sort of a bit of a journey of discovery for me really so I came into it saw it as a child I was like ah oh, what an absolute go best tennis player ever can't believe he's going and the more you kind of look at the numbers the more I was like oh hang on a second See, Am I I've had this argument challenging my own assumptions have you yeah that so what are you, are you pro or anti-Roger I... go I was about to say, I'm not anti-Roger, I'm anti-Roger Goat, which yeah, gets, me, can't be anti-Roger. gets me in trouble with a lot of tennis fans because they just get all dewy-eyed and, oh, Roger Federer, such a beautiful game. And yes, he does play tennis very beautifully, but there is no stat that proves him to be the Goat. Well, Ooh, so what about one-handed, yeah. one-handed backhand swings? The rink is better. Easily. The rink is better. What? Oh, oh. No, get out. No. <laughs> Federer <laughs> and Justin, Justine Hener Hadan, Hernin Hadan. How do you pronounce her name? I can't remember. She's French. I've just, I've just been there. Yeah. But I still don't know how to speak it. Um, a thing of beauty. So, okay, well, we'll see, Phil. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll persuade turn, you. Turn maybe a case will be made. Light. Maybe I'll turn you. So let's, let's see how it goes. So basically, yeah, I was sort of having a look at these sort of figures. Because basically, I figured out I want to. I figured I want to talk about Roger in some way, shape, or form. Roger, Federer, um, and I was like, well, what what is a good sort of stat to try and get across his 
greatness, I suppose. Um, but so that obviously he was on uh, at one point, sort of the, what the leading or up there with the leading um, players in terms of uh, slams. But he has been overtaken in recent years, so he's got tw- he's won twenty Grand Slam finals, uh, where Grand Slams are the big four tournaments in tennis every year: uh, the Australian Open, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, and the French Open. Uh, so he's won 20, Djokovic is on 21, and Rafael Nadal is on 22. So not immediately obvious that he's the best tennis player that has ever lived. And obviously, uh, I've I've got some kind of comparison to female, uh, to the, the women a bit later on, because obviously they've had some absolutely special talents with Serena Williams and Steffi Graf and so on. Um, so I was trying to figure, okay, well, hold on, what... what how how was Roger that good? So we have a look at a quick look at longevity. So you know, um, one of the measures of, of sort of athletic greatness is not just you know how good were they, but how long were they that good for? So Federer's first final, first Grand Slam final was in two thousand and three, which he won. It was Wimbledon, if I remember correctly, and I do because I've been looking at these stats all yeah, day. You just passed your driving last... You. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Actually, wasn't that far off. Uh, it was in three. I was 40, 13, 14. <laughs> and uh, and what's the name? Jamie was uh, was five. Yeah, I think ridiculous. Yeah. So okay. So first final, two thousand three, which he wins. And his his most recent final that he reached was two thousand nineteen. His most recent win was in two thousand eighteen. So basically, a 16, 16 years between his, his first and last final. And uh, 15 years between the first and last win. Fine. That's our sort of comparison point. Djokovic, first final, 2008, uh, 2007. First win, 2008. And his most recent final, his most recent win were both this year. So 15 years between finals, first and last finals, and 14 years between first and last wins. So relatively similar to Federer, right? Nadal, even more interesting here. So his first final and win was 2005. His last final and win so that was was this year, twenty twenty two. So it's seventeen years between finals and seventeen years between wins. And obviously, obviously, here and he and Djokovic are still going. So there's there's time to kind of increase their sort of win totals. And you know, obviously, yeah. Djokovic's got a better chance of doing it than Nadal at this moment. So well, again, get the maxi or not, but he can still do. He, he can still <laughs> play Wimbledon. Well, he, he'd be on. He'd be on twenty three right now, hundred percent. He'd have won at least yeah, one Aussie and one be. US. Because he's missed yeah. two Aussies and one US, I think, from it. Uh, did he play Wimbledon this year? He won yeah, Wimbledon, yeah. Oh, he did? Okay. It was just the he's Russians that weren't it. allowed to. Uh, well, with with an, as a non-political sporting podcast, we couldn't possibly comment on the... <laughs> on, on the That's just on a the fact. COVID. That's just a fact. The... the Russians weren't allowed to play Wimbledon. True. We're here for facts. Rightly so. Keep it light, Phil. Keep it light. <laughs> Keep it light, Phil. Even though COVID's all made up, obviously. Exactly. Oh, God. quick quick side note on athletes and COVID. Uh, yesterday, Kyrie Irving, the NBA basketball player, revealed that he lost a $100 million contract um, with, I think, a shoe company because he's not vaccinated. That is some strong yeah, views on the vaccine. But anyway, tangible over Bruce. how rich you are. That's got to hurt. Yeah. Right, so we basically we just established that Federer's career isn't particularly better than either of his two pr- primary rivals when it comes to longevity. Um, 
especially given that Feather actually really cooled off after 2009. So from 2010 to 2019, I think he had I've written one here. I think it's actually 10 finals. So over those, uh, over those, what's that, 10 seasons? slams. Yeah, and only uh, sort of three wins, all of which came in his three finals appearances in, in seventeen eighteen. So like a much much uh, sort of. Wait, so he cooler... didn't win? He didn't win a single slam between twenty ten and twenty seventeen. Uh, I mean, quite possibly. To... I don't know, but like that... yeah. Well, let me let me get these my rather excellent sheet up done by. Uh... I'm with Jasper Heeks, um, my colleague. Thanks, Jasper, for putting all the effort <laughs> in. So three, uh, he, uh, so sorry, he won the Australian Open in 2010. Then after that, uh, 2012, he wins Wimbledon, and then nothing, nothing more until 2017. Oh wow, that's a barren stretch for him. It's a, it's a very much a cool stretch, but this obviously then implies that. To, where, when did he win all of his stuff? And uh, if you then look at like a six-year peak, he is unreal from 2004 to 2009. Um, obviously, bearing in mind this is a sport where there's only one champion in each of these Grand Slams. Uh, sure, six years is a little bit of an arbitrary uh, period of time to choose, but actually it tends to work out quite well across competitors because you can you can pick a relatively sort of hot six year streak from each of them. So what I did is got to have a look and see how yeah how how hot each of them were. So Federer, 2004, 2009, six years. Max finals, 24. He goes to 20 of them. That's pretty disgusting. So that's, that's 83% of available finals. He wins 14 of those 20 finals that he goes to. So that's 70% of every final he goes to, and it's 58% of every single slam during that time, 14 of 24 over a six-year yeah. period. So pretty good. What's Djokovic do? So we're looking at 2011 to 2016. Again, 24 finals. Federer went to 20. Djokovic went to 18. So, you know, not a, not a huge difference. Still a 10% deduction, I suppose. So statistically significant. Uh, and he wins 11 of them. So that's 61% of all the finals he goes to and sort of 46% of all the slams. And then uh, for Nadal, I'm looking at 2009, 2014. Again, 24 finals, 13 appearances, nine wins. So not That's low, but quite... I thought. Given he's, yeah. a, given he's a shoo-in for the French Open win every time. Yeah. Well, exactly. Um which is which brings me very handily, Phil, to my next point is that obviously Nadal, it famously one of the greatest, if not the greatest, clay court tennis player of the modern era, certainly. Um, athletically gifted, lot of top spin, uh, muscly boy. So if given that Nadal was basically a shoe in for the French Open for that amount of time, um, what happens if you remove the French Open from Roger's sort of list of of achievements. So in that case, from 04 to 09, excluding the French Open, 18 finals available. He goes to 16 of them, Christ. and he wins 13 of them. Yeah, that's, word. that's mental. That's punchy. That is punchy. So when you, I mean, I suppose to an extent, yeah, you're taking the greatest clay court player of an era out, and you're sort of taking out a quarter of the slams. But I mean. Yeah, given how good Nadal is on, on the clay, I don't feel too bad about that. 
Uh, and then just to have a, have a quick comparison against uh, some of the women's tennis uh, players, just very, very quickly. Uh, Steffi Graf's, if we look at her best six years, so 88 to 93, she goes to 18 finals and she has 13 wins. So actually really, really very close to, to Federer's peak here. Yeah. Um, Serena is doesn't quite hit as many finals over a sort of six-year period. Um, the fact the period I ended up actually quicking, picking was 2010 to 2015. Um, she went to more finals in other six-year stretches, but in that particular period, she goes to 11 finals. She wins 10 of them. Whoa, that's a so, nice, pretty good conversion. You'd be really annoyed about the, the length that you lost there, wouldn't you? I would, I would, I'd be absolutely fuming. Probably what get over it when you go and win another 10 afterwards. Yeah, and you look at your bank balance as well. Yeah. <laughs> and realise it when you... But one day, someone would make an award-winning film about your sporting exploits. Centered on your father, <laughs> yeah, King yeah, advertised handily by Matt Phillips. There, keep my wife's name, and yeah, on <laughs> 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 Un- unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, that's it. What, what's the one that she did lose 2010 to 2015? It was the uh, US Open in 2011, okay, yeah. Same. Anyway, did you uh, did you watch you any are. of the footage from the uh, Labour Cup? It's emotional. No, I saw the clip of them both. Nadal was crying. crying he was crying. Murray almost looked like he changed emotion. It was it was intense. I <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if you if you are f- fortunate enough financially to possess Sky Television, but. Um, I watched uh, Rob and Romish, and they get they have an episode with Andy Murray, and he is genuinely hilarious. He's been on uh, Mot the Week, and he's very funny. Mot the Week, well. times, yeah, he's yeah. cracking. I really like him as a character. I don't have uh, I don't have Sky Sports anymore since my parents stopped paying for it. I feel <laughs> a plight you, many you, people will uh, <laughs> feel <laughs> sympathy for. I feel. Um, yeah, it's a real shame. And if the Phillips clan are listening. Would you consider buying Sky Sports again? <laughs> Give it a go. <laughs> Sad, lonely son in London, not with any sports to watch. Anyway, nice. Um, can your can fiancé hear you describing yourself as a sad, lonely son? Because <laughs> you haven't mentioned that yet, and normally you do. Say, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll wait for it's you to do it for me. Yeah, no, well, end of a you done, phenomenal career, Roger Federer. Very impressive. Good work, Roger. Just a, a quick thank you for to Jasper, who apparently did all of this research for, yeah. for this. Oh, Jasper, honestly, unreal. Seriously clicking. Honestly, unreal. We should really share, the, I should really put these in the Google Drive with his permission and, you know, and uh, and have everyone sort of just scan through have a, them. You honestly, can have a cut yeah. of the royalties from the uh, podcast. I'll buy, you a, I'll buy you a bottle of gin, Jasper. Or melon I mean, you don't You don't listen to this, so you have no idea, but I'll do it. <laughs> Nice. Um, before we get on to the Keep It In The Family segment, I also had a shout out. Uh, we had a viewing submission uh, by by Rob, a listener's submission from uh, from Rob, who uh, successfully found the deliberate mistake in the, uh, I think it was the, no, it wasn't the Down Under, it might have been the Down Under episode. I can't remember which episode it was where we were talking about the um young lad from Northern Ireland's debut in senior football. Um and Ooh. I mentioned how Harvey Elliott I misspoke. He is a Liverpool Harvey Elliott is a Liverpool player 
Um, but when he got the record for the youngest debut in the Premier League, which has subsequently been beaten by an Arsenal player, but when he got his debut, he wasn't at Liverpool, he was at Fulham. So well done for spotting the deliberate mistake, Rob. You earn three free weeks to the podcast. And we'll Disgusting. be sending you a badge and a yeah, pen. Yeah, you get you get three free weeks of access, but congratulations. That's uh, that, that definitely wasn't a mistake, was it? You just you just balls it up, didn't you, in the podcast? Well, I just knew he was a Liverpool player. I didn't. I basically didn't bother looking who his debut was with. <laughs> I was always a Liverpool player. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why would anyone move to Liverpool? Yeah, exactly. God, that's rubbish. <laughs> what a stupid risk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you listener, if you think you spotted the one deliberate mistake in this episode thus far, give us a call. There is one place where I think I may have made a mistake, so it may exist. But anyway. Um, on to keep it in the family. Um, I'll uh, keep this rolling with uh, my family submission. Uh, and I've gone for the Corder family, um, which if you're into golf or tennis, you should almost certainly know who the Corders are. Um, but the reason I picked this I like family, both, I don't know either. <laughs> the reason I picked this family is I think they're, I'm reasonably confident in saying they're completely unique in that every member of the family was a genuinely elite, uh, performer in their respective sport. Um, so to, so there's both parents and all three children. Um, I think you can class them as reaching the tops of their respective sports. So to put it in perspective, um, the probably worst achiever, the lowest achiever, was the the mother, and her highest tennis ranking was twenty sixth in the world. So not oh, not too bad. <laughs> not not the worst. Yeah, not the worst. So I think you can handle being the the kind of lowest achiever in your family when you know um, you. Uh, so I'll start with her, Regina Ruchitova which is almost certainly not how you pronounce it, but so apologies, Regina. Um, but yeah, so she is the well, lowest achiever, which feels mean saying it, given she reached a peak well, rank. Stop saying it, stop of, repeating it. Then. Of uh, 26th in the world in, in tennis. Um, she didn't win any singles titles, but had a 143 wins to 98 losses record. Not, not too shabby. Oh, that's quite good. She reached the French Open quarterfinal in doubles, was her longest um, run in a Grand Slam. And she represented, uh, the, ooh, would it be Czech Republic in 1988? <laughs> I want to say yes. I'm going to say Czech. She represented Czech in the 1988 Seoul Olympics. Um, and so, yeah, not, not a bad tennis career as it goes. So hats off to Regina. And then the father, Peter Corder, again, a tennis player. He was much more successful. So he had 10 career singles titles and reached second in the world with a one Grand Slam, which was Australia 1998. Um, he also reached a French Open final and then quarterfinals at both Wimbledon and the US Open. So very successful tennis player. Um, slightly dubious end to his career, though. So don't you know, cast any... Dispersions, uh, dispersions on his win in 1998 in Australia. But he did retire in in mid-late 1998. And you might be thinking, Peter, what are you doing? You've just won the Australian <laughs> Open in 1998. You're, you're killing it, man. Why are you retiring? 
Well, at Wimbledon 1998, which is only a couple months after the Australian Open, he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs and immediately retired. <laughs> so... Not at all suspicious. Yeah. But do yeah. anabolic steroids really improve your sporting performance? Yeah, exactly. it's not much, is it? It's like having I'd a say. cup of coffee in the morning. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just cheeky kind of Red Bull. And if Red Bull wants to sponsor us, I will drink it on the pot now. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> really? At like 8, at like 8 p.m.? True. Um, and I hate Red Bull. Bloody Max Verstappen. Um, well, that, I mean, that that might really... That's the sponsorship one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Peter Corder, Grand Slam winner, very successful tennis player. And you think, right, well, that's some, some fairly good pedigree, you know, two elite tennis players, one ranked 26th in the world, one a Grand Slam winner. You know, they're, they're, they're three kids. You, you probably reckon at least one's going to be half decent at a sport. Oh, no, all three are ridiculous. So... <laughs> Uh, you've got Jessica, Nelly, and Seb from oldest to youngest, um, and I'll go. I'll go through it in yeah chronological order. So Jessica, the eldest sibling, she is currently twenty nine. She is a golfer. She has six LPGA wins, so the Ladies uh, Professional Golfing Association, which is the highest ranked um, kind of tour in in golf. Um, oh, sorry, interrupt. So are the four big golfing championships they men only. Uh, so there are five women's majors, which are the equivalent of the four men's majors. Oh, so it's actually splits. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's pointless. a that's absolutely point. There's a women's PGA tour and a men's PGA tour. It's because they play from very different distances, so that would have a big impact oh, okay, on, of course, yeah. um, on the way. They there are Surely some they, mixed they, events. They, there are some mixed events where the women play off shorter tees. But it's just representative. It's still like a percentage of the longest drive on tour kind of thing. They don't get an advantage from playing um, shorter tees. It's just not having a disadvantage. And a woman won the most recent one. I can't remember what I can't remember what the event is. There's a there is a really interesting mixed event though. It's really cool to watch. Um, so women always play off the women's tees, basically, even during even if it's competition. Well, they just have shorter tees. They just have short. They're not going to have some like six hundred yard par five. Um, okay. like you do on the men's tour um, yeah so she has six tour wins she is a top finish of second at a major and she is currently 14th in the world with seven and a half million dollars in career earnings not bad for a 29 year old um, decent she has been well and truly uh, shown up by her younger sister Nelly the middle child hasn't really held her back so Nelly is ridiculous she is 24 she has seven LPGA wins to her sister's six, and she is five years younger. She won the 2021 AIG Women's Open Major, so the equivalent of the Open for the men's, which was recently held in um, St. Andrews. She is a peak rank of world number one. She is currently world number two, and she lost the world number one ranking due to a blood clot in her arm that she had to have surgery on. Um, I think just last year, and she came back and is already back to world number two, having a blood clot, having had a blood clot basically hacked out of her arm, which you feel for a golfer would need a fair amount of recovery. And she's already back to second in the world. Um, Sorry, how long, did it, how long did it take for her to make it back to number one in the world? Uh, so she's, number, she's back to number two. Um, I think the surgery was in 2021. I need to check exactly. 
but it was it was very recently. So roughly a year, she's completely bounced back yeah. in his and is yeah, yeah. second. That's that crazy. That's outrageous. And she has seven point two million dollars in earnings at the age of twenty four. Is she um, using some of those uh, Czechoslovakian yeah. drugs to help? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her recovery. <laughs> her dad's been really instrumental yeah. in her recovery process. Um, and then, <laughs> yep, the youngest. So brutal. You've got those two as your older sisters. Lot to live up to uh, for young Seb, who is currently twenty two. Decided not to go down the golf route, went for tennis like his parents. Um, definitely an up-and-coming tennis star. So he won the Junior Australian Open. He is currently ranked 49th, but with a peak of 30 back in May 22. He was the first player born in the noughties to reach the fourth round at a major. Uh, and he's recently beaten both um, Grigor Dimitrov and uh, TFO, the... Uh, American who got to the recent uh, US Open semi-final and Dimitrov's roughly fifth in the world. So he's beaten some big names despite only being 22. Um, and he has two and a half million dollars in career earnings. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely one to watch. Almost certainly will be featuring in uh, the latter rounds of Grand Slams in, uh, in the years to come um, despite only being 22. Uh, and I think that one little interesting story about the um, Corda family is that they have four kind of Australia slams between them. So the dad won the Australian Open in tennis. Seb, the youngest son, won the junior Australian Open also in tennis. Um, and both Nellie and Jessica, the daughters, have won on the ladies PGA Tour in Australia. Um, so it's quite a cool story about them basically no family will ever do that where like four members have won an elite different sporting event in uh, in Australia. I'm happy to be proven wrong if someone knows of some ridiculous family that has five kind of elite wins in a uh, in a single country for, for individual events. But yeah, quarter family, I can only imagine like four games at Christmas around their house or something. Oh the, God! The I fight the break out. Or like the family family sports day events and things. <laughs> I, just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that was my submission. Quarter family, absolutely stunningly talented, and it makes you sick. Just how did they get those genes, and I got mine? It just doesn't. It's doesn't not fair, is it? Like, <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. He says, sat drinking it's his alcohol-free beer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously, I love Mama Cadman dearly, but my hockey pedigree is her playing th- for the Romsey Ladies' third team. Oh, the Titans. The Titans. They didn't even get tees. Uh, only the away team got the uh, cucumber sandwiches for tees, such as the uh, the budget. Yeah. That's what we used to do, to be fair, in my first club we played in. Very uh, cucumber sandwich, though. Underrated. <laughs> but yeah, moving on. Jeffy, do you want to uh, do your... Yes, yeah, so right. So I've absolutely bossed it, and Good. I've chosen hockey because yes. I mean, it's the it's the cursed sport. If it's, it's the Simpson family, I'm hanging up. Correct. That is the correct. It's not the Simpson family, although that is absolutely a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely a missed opportunity. And I'm um, I'm I'm annoyed at myself. <laughs> Oh, I'm annoyed at myself. Depends if you if you count Reese as part of the anyway. Um, <laughs> so cut that, cut that, cut that. Yeah, definitely cut that bit out. Cut um, that. 
Cut that. <laughs> right, so yeah, so I've um yeah, I've chosen the cursed sport, which is hockey, and essentially there were um uh, a group of brothers in the sixties that were pretty good and they all played uh for Spain at the Olympics in the nineteen sixties, four brothers. They were called the Font Fontenors family. Um Pedro, Juan, Francisco, and uh, the Spanish word for Jamie, which I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to bother. Give it a go, Jamie. Um, Give it a try. And not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would do. Lovely. Um, <laughs> is this another past language as well as speaking, having, knowing one sentence in Russian that you can pronounce <laughs> the Spanish version of Jamie? Jamie. Muy bueno. Um, Muy bueno. <laughs> right, so... Um, yeah, the four brothers at one point were all at the same Olympics, but you know, the mass, they were very different in ages. And two of those original brothers had children, and they also went to the Olympics. So between the time of 1960 and 2012, would you like to know how many Olympic Games there wasn't a member of the Fontenelles family representing Spain at? Oh, how many Olympics are there in that span? What, what was the first date, sorry? 1960 so 40 52 years or, or you can suggest uh pick a year pick a, like a yeah, gap of years kind of 12 or 13 olympic games i reckon there will be oh, three games that there isn't one there'll be three in the middle where the kids are too young for the uh, mm, parents there'll be sort of cousin cousin that's another Generic cousins player. are not included, but they make the stats even more ridiculous. Cousins, cousins Man- Manu. This is just the, four, just the four brothers and then two of their children. The cousins actually, I think, may make it even more complete. It's crazy. I'm going to say like two. I think it'd be less than that. It is It is three. So there's a 12 year gap. So, uh, yeah, three Olympic Games yeah. is not that a is disgusting. That <laughs> playing at the Olympics for Spain. That's utterly um, ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. So the original four brothers, the best they did was a silver. Um, but what gets really interesting is that so Fran, Fran, Francisco Francisco um, created created best of a word uh, had the interesting son who was called Paul Amat. Have you heard of him? No, I don't know Paul why Amat? it's ringing a bell. So he was named the best player in the world in two thousand eight. That'll probably be and why. I mean, it's just pretty good going. But would you like to guess who he is sandwiched between in terms of who won it in 2007, who, who won it in 2009? Uh, Jamie would Dwyer, you... Jamie Dwyer? Yeah. Bang on. So he upsets well, someone that we all know he has, you know, Jamie Dwyer was massive for the sports in that kind of time period. Um, had a hockey six named after him or whatnot. Basically introduced, hack, introduced um, Adidas back into hockey. Um, blah, blah, blah. Along with uh, Christian Zeller. Um, but yeah, so um, amazing, amazing hockey player and actually holds the record for the number of games for Spain at 304. Oh, wow. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, couldn't beat his one of his uncles in terms of Olympic medals and has got two silvers, so couldn't do any better than, well, one silver versus two silvers. But hey, still, yeah. God. Um, I know, what, what a shocker. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be absolutely furious, wouldn't you? Absolutely Family outcast, yeah. Ever. Any other family? Classic. Any other family? Uncle Manuel coming to Christmas dinner with his two. Is he wearing his two medals again, Mum? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but there is, so there is another there is another cousin who I think did play at the 1988 Olympics um, and is but I'm not entirely sure how they're all related because it's all the Wikipedia articles are in Spanish yeah. and the records aren't particularly <laughs> great as you can imagine. Do you know the and because they're all from Catalan of the 1988 Olympics? Well, it was the hockey. Is it the first time uh, Asher served? Uh, let me season? guess. It was the first Olympics that I could watch whilst drinking or something. Is that what you were saying? <laughs> <laughs> that... No. Yeah, maybe I maybe I drove down the old people's home to go and watch it there with my fellow my fellow pensioners. No, it? it was the uh, one and only Olympics where GB men's have won gold. Ah. GB men's won gold at the ATF and then followed up with... Was that on, was that on grass still, I think? Uh, no, sure. no, it was Astro. You can see highlights. The, the rules are so different. It is mental. Like, you're watching, you're like, that's a foul. What are they doing? What? <laughs> it's like a different game. <laughs> but it is very, well, it's it's very good, cool good to watch. Game's gone these days, isn't it? No, it's Game's actually. gone. These little youngsters. That is crazy family, though. Yeah, Only three Olympics in a 52-year stretch. Jesus. I know. I, that, I mean, do they, are there, is there like a member kicking about today? Um, like some kind of air like somewhere? Discover, no. End of the era. So Paul Amatier is 44. Um, Wikipedia doesn't tell me his relationship status, unfortunately, Reece, so I oh, can't get, give you Get that. going, Paul. Get going. Get, yeah. Well, him and, him and Reese were classmates, so you probably can just drop him a line. That's the one, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We used to just wander outside <laughs> and have a have a sangria. Have a sangria after class. In the late which 90s, we, yeah. Which we used to buy yeah. with a couple of farthings or <laughs> half crowns. Christ. Yeah, oh. God. Well, you know, we met after the Armada, didn't we? <laughs> That's where. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was over in, I was over in South America, and he and this lads popped over on some kind of trireme. Oh, I'm just not going to get bored of calling you old. Just... Fair enough. And well, as far as you right, get even but... older every year as well, so the joke gets better. I, I actually just keep getting older. It I turns know. out it's scary. I'm older now than I was at the start of this podcast. Oh, well. okay. Take his own. Thank you for that, Jap. Take his own, Reese. What's your uh, impressive family? So my impressive family. I noticed you uh, you neatly skirted the Barrett brothers because you thought we've given the, the Kiwis a lot of airtime recently. Yeah, but I I I saw that as an opportunity and I ploughed head first into it and I've just <laughs> just gone through it. So the stat is uh, two hundred and nine. That's the total number of senior All Blacks caps acquired between the three Barrett brothers, Bowden, Geordie and Scott. I say the three Barrett brothers, well I mean there's three of the Barrett brothers, because there's an absolute metric ton of them. It, turns <laughs> it out. is, and there is a proper it's, clan. Like... It's ridiculous. So it's, so it's eight siblings. Feel free to join in, because you guys probably know more about me, that, that more about these guys than, than I did beforehand. So there's eight of them in total, um, and they're pretty much all like sportingly obsessed but the the focus is on these three uh geordie uh both and geordie and scott because they are uh the second trio of brothers to have ever lined up in the same team together um i can't find the, the names of the tongas right now i've lost it i think there was a tongan trio in the 90s 
Um, but they're certainly the only trio of brothers to ever have played for uh, for New Zealand. There's, I think, there's a, a hell of a lot of brothers. Have done yeah, it. there's, there's loads, never, uh, there's three. loads. It's of like brothers. fifty-six or something. But yeah, these are the first, the first of three. So uh, just to quickly run you through, Bowden, the kind of the crown, the, the jewel in the crown, as it were. So he's uh, the third highest point scorer ever for the All Blacks with seven hundred thirteen. Made his sort of senior rugby debut at, at nineteen for Taranaki, which is at the, uh, the sort of provincial region where his dad played initially, and that's where I think they grew up. Made his All Blacks debut in twenty twelve. Uh, it wins World Player of the Year twenty sixteen and seventeen. He's pretty good. He's pretty good at the old so rugby. Yes. When they so lost, fast. they lost Dan Carter uh, from Scrum Half. They're like, oh god, what will we? Dan do? Carter from where? Sorry. Yeah. From what position? Sorry, fly half. What position race? Fly what half. What's that? Yeah. Fly half. Is this Scrum yeah. Half. Yeah. That's sorry, been a long day. So Dan yeah. Carter goes down. Talk, within a couple of years, they just got Bowden Barrett. Utterly unfair. Utterly ridiculous. Um, sort of similar player, not, not only great with the ball in hand, solid at tackling, but also could sort of make these little magical bursts into the half space and suddenly they're on the break and it's going down through the hands offloading and it's, it's yet another try in the corner. His try Classic highlight Kiwis. videos are unbelievable. The one he scores in the 2015 final against Australia after the final whistle. Um, I can't remember who picks it up. It's their fullback. Um, his surname begins with an F remember now and he just hoofs it up the field barrett's got like 20 yards to make up against the closest aussie and just blitzes him to walk over to tap it home is he's so quick it's a joke utterly insane um i've got his try scoring record here actually yeah so um he in 109 games the all blacks he scored 41 tries that's crazy uh and he's made a hell of a hell of a lot of kicks as well he's uh he's 31 years old but he weighs more than me, so that's that's something that I, <laughs> something that I can take. Take that, take that, Bowden. Lose Fatty. a few. Fat. Uh, if you're listening, please don't come and absolutely crunch me. <laughs> Kieran probably. Kieran probably knows him. Yeah. Oh, Kieran, oh definitely. Kieran. Yeah. He's noted terrible bloke, I believe, as Juppie called him. <laughs> anyway, on... I just know what I said. Was it? Absolutely was. But word for word, yeah. <laughs> absolutely was. <laughs> Anyway, so Bowden making up 109 of those All Blacks appearances. And then the next one to turn up on the scene is Geordie. Uh, so he can play, God, uh, pretty much every single Winger and fullback predominantly. Winger and fullback predominantly, yeah. Um, so I think he I think he, I think think he, he starts playing uh, provincial rugby until 2015. Um, he joins the Hurricanes 2017. And then he, he makes his All Blacks debut at 2017 as well. Um so he's played 45 games for them and he's got, uh, yeah, he scored 20 tries and made about 62 kicks as well. So he's on 246 points. Good on you, Geordie. Uh, no World Player of the Year awards. So sorry, mate. <laughs> Not too special. To go. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, and then uh, Scott turns up on the scene. He is um, a giant. He's, he's actually, I say Scott's on the scene, actually. He's, uh, sorry, I've got the wrong around. He's a giant. Say. He's older. Yeah. He's yeah, he's he's the uh, he's slightly older than um than Jordan Jordy. Uh he's one meter ninety seven tall and he's he weighs hundred and eleven <laughs> kilograms. Big boy. My word. So he's absolutely uh, yeah, yeah, another absolute machine when it comes to getting around the park. Uh he's only so he's he's makes up fifty five games, only six tries, 
Um, and he's far behind the others when it comes to uh, kicks. He's actually scored zero conversions and that's zero. That happens penalties. when you're number five. <laughs> but that's you know, if I was to say, if there are any area that Scott can sort of work on in relation to his brother, maybe maybe that might be it. <laughs> maybe that might be it. Unlucky Scott, just you know, look, have a have a go. There's really funny um, so interviews all... of them where like it's all um, like Scotty, how come you're so big and Bowden's so small? And he's like, oh, I used to steal food off his plate at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, you know, it's definitely true. You know, it's definitely true. Even though, he, yeah, so he's, uh, yeah, three three years younger. So Bowden, 31, Scott, 28. And then Geordie, little Geordie, 25 years old and 95 kilograms. Have and you also fully done 196 your, centimetres tall. Have you fully done your research onto the younger brother? I have not. So there is, we'll get, there is a young one who yeah. is either 20 or 21 who currently plays like top flight rugby and is on track to potentially uh, become an all black as well. So if he gets his act together and does it in the next couple of years, there might be four of them on the same pitch, which is hilarious. <laughs> Utterly ridiculous. Especially, actually, especially irritating even Geordie. I think he was, I think he had a, had a couple of games at fullback and then had to move to wing uh, in 2019 to get when Bowden dropped back to play at fullback. For yeah. Cause um thing he's taken over at fly half. Um, uh, uh, Mwanga, who is very good. Solid. Good on you. Good on you, Mwanga. So uh, these guys, they're all named in the same squad in 2019, and they all start for New Zealand in the Rugby World Cup. So 20% of the entire, <laughs> one of the best teams <laughs> in the world, 20% come from one family. Um, and so what I enjoy most about this, so just going to quickly go to the parents, not to got too much in them here. Uh, their mum was, a, I think, a talented runner. She played a lot of netball and basketball as well. Their dad, Kevin Smiley Barrett. Uh, he, so he doesn't quite ever make it to the All Blacks, but he plays 167 games uh, for Taranaki and for the Hurricanes. And uh, I'll leave you with this little, little quote from him. Apparently when he retired, they were like, what are you going to go and do now, Kevin? And he said... I'm going to go breed some All Blacks. Oh, yeah, I've heard and that. And he did. Quote. I've heard that. Yeah, and he that did. Good, good is, on yeah. you, Chief. Didn't let us down. Did not good let us down at all. If you do want to give it a rest, then that would be great. Uh, other special nom- uh, special mentions for rugby families, I suspect, would be the two Alangis. Yeah, there's a shed load of them. Yeah. And they're all and ginormous. The, the, the Manitou Alangis is the smallest one as well. Do you want to guess Haven't how, they how much money played each other as well? Yeah, yeah, they played against, and they played against each other a couple of times. Yeah. And the same with the other, the other brothers. They were both, I think they're both um, forwards played for England. I can't remember their names. Mako and Vinopolas. I think as well they have, um, yeah, brothers or cousins maybe. And I think it's just Fiji. Money Tiger Langi weighs 110 kilograms. Yeah, and he plays <laughs> at centre. That is utterly ridiculous. Well done, Manny. It's like just getting hit by a train, isn't it? Do you remember, um, is it Danny Cipriani that hit by a bus and the bus just looked destroyed in that picture? The bus? Have you seen it? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's on a night out or something. and Either runs into a bus or gets run out or like somehow ends up smashing into the windscreen. Somehow the bus, the bus the, loses. The windscreen just looks... The bus just gets, looks... <laughs> I don't know how... Oh, sorry. Oh, um, but it just... It is... It, it's oh. like an elephant's run into it, and you wouldn't believe this human being is. It's not even like big of a lad, God, is it? They're all just so solid. What is just, it with yeah, rugby players and transport? There's yeah. the <laughs> Freddie and the Freddie and the pedalo, 
what's his name in the golf cart? Um, well, obviously, uh, what's it? Is the the Welsh number eight? I think we talked about before. Felipe Was it him? I don't think it was. I Can't remember. He's, anyway. uh, I believe he's cousins of one of the Vonopolis, actually. Well, it'd obviously be both of their brothers. Of course. Of course. It was Andy Powell, by the way, I'm thinking of, I think. He, when Andy Powell uh, was thrown out of Wales' Six Nations squad after driving a golf buggy on the M4 motorway, was battered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it. Go big. Yeah. Go Any, big. Anything? Uh... February 2020. Anything to round off the the Barrett brothers? Uh, that's basically it. The, they're going to breed some more blacks. Was the yeah. was the big finish? There's actually a there's actually a really feel good story um, about the Barretts. So their younger, I think, sister, it's brother or sister. I think it's the younger sister has uh, has Down syndrome. So they do loads of like awareness and uh, raising awareness, raising money, all things like that. There's uh, lots of really heartwarming videos of them at like the end of the All Blacks games getting, um, I'm going to say her because I think it is sister, I can't remember. I think it's, yeah, there's it's sister. Getting her like on the pitch and like the World Cup medal around her neck and stuff like that. It's really cute. Uh, and then I think oh, another awesome. two of the eight siblings are adopted, I believe. Zara. Yeah, I think two of the siblings are adopted. Um, so yeah, it's a big old, big old family. Big old family. Maybe we should share if there's some kind of link on on one of our tweets after this. Might be a nice thing to do. That is that is utterly disgusting. Why can they be? If they're going to be rich, successful, good-looking, talented, can you at least have the decency to be a terrible bloke? Yeah, yeah. You're also <laughs> lovely. Bowden Barrett is very good-looking, isn't he? God's sake. He is, like Dan yeah. Carter was as well. Just be ugly. Just have something wrong with you. Please, just have a tiny penis or something. Minuscule testicles, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's probably rubbish at Call of Duty. Yeah, exactly. That's what matters. So is Jup, though. As am I. <laughs> <laughs> nice, enjoyed that. Barrett's, yeah, yeah, I thought the Barrett's would be picked by someone. They're uh, uh, not all bad at the well, old egg tossing. Well, there's a lot of good ones. So, I mean, the NBA, you could go for the old LeBron uh, Bronny. It's said only two Bronny of them. Bronny Bryce. Uh, Bryce James, yeah. you've got the you've got the, the Ball brothers, Lamelo, because Leangelo just joined the Hornets to join Lamelo. You've got Mark and Paul Gasol. You've got Steph and Seth Curry with their dad. Um, oh God, who else in the NBA? There's loads in the NBA. You've got the Gronkowskis. The NBA, yeah. I thought you were going to bring up. And they're four uh, of them in the league. Them. Three of them. Uh, fewer Is now. There three got, in the, well, uh, three made the OG league got, and ones in uh, college, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I mean, the man, the Mannings is an, an obvious one. So they're yeah. a famous sort of family of quarterbacks. The Harbors uh, haven't they done quite well in the NFL? John Harbour and Jim Harb- Harbour, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think two fairly average. I think well, Jim was a fairly Charlie average Woods, the fifteen-year-old son of Tiger Woods, just shot a career low four under par sixty-eight, which makes me want to be sick in my mouth because he is fifteen and shooting four under par. And there's, yeah, me, but you can probably... there's me hacking it round for 100 shots around <laughs> on a non-championship course. He's 15. Yeah, you can, makes you sick. You can, you can probably drive it further than him. Yeah, I can hit the ball further. That's all that matters. Objectively. <laughs> oh, Objectively. God. Just, just, everyone's so talented and we're just rubbish and getting old. God's sake. I kind of, I kind of wanted to... I, was, I took a, took a long time looking at the... Um, 
the 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 in the web between Harry and Jamie Redknapp and Frank Lampard Senior and Frank Lampard Junior. Oh God! Um, so Frank Lampard Senior, obviously Frank Lampard Junior's dad. Didn't really need to explain yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Redknapp, the father of Jamie Redknapp, uh, all involved in football. So Frank Lampard Senior was, I think, a coach. Um, West Ham and elsewhere. Frank Lampard's junior football player, along with Jamie Redknapp, and Harry was a, a manager. Um, their cousins, I believe, Frank and Jamie. Ah. So obviously, yeah, there's a, there's a familial connection between the four of them. Um, you know, so Harry coached his kids. He bought Frank Lampard for West Ham. Um, and sort of vigorously defended him upon upon signing. That was yeah, that's a good um, press conference, that isn't it? Great press conference, along with I am not and beep Wheeler Dean. Oh yeah, God, all time Harry written that <laughs> classics. Um, yeah, th- I mean, there's some. I was actually looking, hoping to find sort of a family along the lines of the Corders, where just everyone's in something just slightly, everyone's slightly ridiculous. different. And everyone is absolutely yeah. crushing it. <laughs> it's very interesting how many sort of familial relationships that are within the same sport, I suppose. It's probably just an easier way of Lots doing of it. The parents son, put right? them into it or it's what you're good at. You're more likely, I yeah. guess, because you'll have all the connections. Like yeah. Tiger Woods' son isn't going to struggle to get a good coach and good clubs and good access to golf courses, is he? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, true. And you bypass any sort of access to... It's just nepotism. Screams of nepotism. It's disgusting ridiculous and that's why i will make sure my son does nothing that i enjoy <laughs> anything that i enjoy i will ban him from doing Christ. poor 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 lads sorry mate i did pottery once and actually made a rather fine little sort of jug Ace. so so you're out thinking a few you're steps, out a few steps ahead there reese you gotta <laughs> yes this is true <laughs> gotta have a plan Gotta have a five-year plan. Exactly. I want to be emotionally abusing my son in five years. <laughs> Gotta get on with it. Jeez. <laughs> if the authorities are listening, this is a joke. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be if, fine. When someone plays this in 2027, as I'm emotionally abusing my son, this will be incredibly awkward. I was going to say, yeah, gotta be careful. Or just, you know, don't emotionally abuse your son. Let him do the stuff yeah, you love. The obvious answer. Let him be an elite oh. hockey player like you. Let that one sit there. I mean, that, 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 just, that, just, that just hurt. That just hurts. That just, that just hurts. I'll let you know. I'm actually, I suspect, one of the most successful sixes players in London. Oh, in, in, uh, London. Two-time yeah, winner say. of the Beast and Sixes, Great. and I think two-time winner of the, of, the, of the London Sixes, hosted by Kings Lane Hockey Club. Great club. In, uh, in Bro- Broccoli Rise, Kings Sports Ground, in uh, July every year, if you're looking to looking for a game. Yeah. Good, uh, good family statting team. Great mm. statting. Yeah, good episode. What should we do? Uh, are we gonna? I reckon we save goat for maybe episode ten. Don't know why. Nice round number. We'll uh, have to have a think of next uh, what we're doing next. Maybe, maybe the start of the second season. Yeah, <laughs> season two. We... Sporting average. <laughs> yeah, Sport, sportingly. Wildly above average. I don't know. Sportly mediocre. Uh, let's 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 not commit to it right here and now. There's yeah. a there's a couple of suggestions, and we've had a couple of suggestions from uh, from contributors. We're getting dangerously close to having guests on the podcast as well. We've had a few requests for guests. Oh, so requests for us to have guests, or requests to, Pete, be, Pete, guests? to be guests. Yeah. 
Are we going to like anyone famous? Or oh just no, Charlie Parnell is Charlie Parnell is okay. Yeah, in the bit to uh, to be a guest on the podcast. I mean, we're just going to be emotionally abused for an hour. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, oh, so you're a cretin. You're a cretin, and here's here's for why. Here's 45 minutes I prepared <laughs> as to why. <laughs> I will have to I drink think... during that episode. Yeah, get the uh, the old bleep button yeah. ready. It's definitely <laughs> going to come out on that one. Well, I've, this has been a disappointing episode in terms of uh, the, the soundboard, actually, Jeffy. Do you want to just do a couple to finish us off? <laughs> no, I can't risk it. Playing an advert or something. <laughs> um, good episode, guys. See you, uh... Yeah. See you. Yeah.